back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is a Monday. I am your host, Travis Winkfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we're going to take a look back at the All-22 and get into the nitty-gritty of this game, break it down offensively, defensively, give you some interesting facts and nuggets and tidbits from the game. All of that and more on this Monday, September the 28th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins and support for Drive Time is brought to you by AutoNation. If you want to sell your car or truck, AutoNation will buy it. Any year, any make, any model, they'll buy your car and you'll get a check on the spot in as fast as 30 minutes. Appraise your car now at AutoNation.com. Let's go ahead and jump right into the film from Thursday before we turn the page and get on to the Seattle Seahawks and Brian Flores and some player media availability. And I first want to start offensively here and just talk about the scheme because the very first play of this game, the Dolphins like to go unbalanced 12 personnel to start drives, to start games. And that's been the case under Brian Flores now for a year and three games a lot. And that's basically when you have balanced, that means you have a tight end to either side of the formation. Unbalanced means you put both your Ys, your double Ys into the same side of the formation. But on this play, they go balanced and they they motion Smythe away from the balance of the formation, but they bring him back right into that same spot as usual and have him kind of take a couple of shuffle steps to simulate pass protection at the snap. Because remember, this guy had 17 pass blocking reps compared to 23 pass target reps and 50 run blocking reps in this game. So it tells you where his rate is. His consistent ratio throughout his career has been leaning towards staying in line to pass block and to run block compared to other tight ends who almost never stay into block at times, like a Mike Gesicki, for instance. Then he leaks out, and he's already been disregarded by the coverage scheme because he was initially looking like he was going to stay in to pass protect. Then he leaks out into the flat, and the linebacker disregards him. It's an gimme seven yards, and that's exactly what you want from your play design. Talk about making it easy on your players. Exactly what they did on that particular play. One more Durham Smythe note here. Then he comes back on the very next play and gets back to doing what he does best and wipes out the force defender on the backside with a split zone look when Miles Gaskin bends that thing back. Later in that first drive, they go back to 12 personnel, but they replace Preston Williams with Jakeem Grant. Obviously, they're exchanging some size for some speed, and this time it is balanced. Tight ends on both sides of the formation, and they go twins into the boundary, two receivers to the short side of the field, and they motion Grant over to the field side of the formation, the wide side of the field. Jacksonville is a cover three team with some cover one looks here and there, and they the look they gave you had nobody to the field side of the formation until the motion. So automatically, with them showing six guys bringing pressure and the cornerback over there with no safety help, you automatically know that he has to respect that deep third of the coverage area. And so Jakeem Grant sells the takeoff and sticks his foot in the ground and comes right back down. Just excellent play design composed to take advantage of their defense by attacking their vulnerable part of the defense with a player who is in conflict and stressing that conflict. And also what a catch by Jakeem and what a hell of an effort to get up and add yards on top of that after the play was looked like it was over before CJ Henderson did not touch him down. 
in the run game. They just use Jacksonville's aggressiveness against them early. You want to one gap and shoot your way up the field? Go ahead. We'll take you there. We'll allow you to do that. And we'll talk more about the performance of those guys up front executing that game plan here in just one moment. But Miami was consistently going against the grain on those runs, and it created big success in the running game, in the passing game, and on offense in general. We then come back to the second touchdown drive with the end around to Jakeem once again, and this call was absolutely perfect. They got Jacksonville in a cover one look, which is man-to-man with a single high free safety over the top. So to run the corner off that edge, Parker, who is on the same side they want to run the end around two with Jakeem Grant, he takes the inside release, and that forces the cornerback to turn and get upfield in that trail technique immediately, and it gets his back to the play. And with the fake handoff to the other side of the formation, you've already gotten flow to that side against the grain once more for Jakeem to come off the end around. And there's one key block that has to get made. It's Eric Flowers climbing to the second level to wall and seal off a linebacker. And he hits it perfectly. And Jakeem is off to the races. Another excellent call with easy yards built in from the play call before the players even have to execute and make moves on their own. On the third possession, the fourth and one call, the Fitzpatrick bootleg, they go 13 personnel with every tight end aligned to the same side. They show run action to the opposite direction. It freezes the linebackers for a beat, and then Fitzpatrick can then read his flood concept where you bring multiple routes over to that side of the field, and he can then throw, he can then run. He has all kinds of options, but he decides to take off and run for it. It's a lot to defend, a lot of stress on that defense. The individuals, the quarterback, what can we really say here? Fitzpatrick was awesome. He was in rhythm all night. He moved off the spot when he had to. He made plays with his legs. And some of the specifics, the touchdown throw to Preston Williams was just perfect, perfect location, right on the money. And that was right after the run game had stalled out a bit down there. So a big time throw on third down and really probably a four point throw there from Fitzpatrick. His pre-snap identification was stellar. Slides were on point. The protection matchups were on point. He did well to help keep himself protected with the calls. And then when it wasn't there, when pressure did arrive from that Jacksonville pass rush, the ability to recognize where the rush was coming from, where his escape lane existed, just masterful work from the Dolphins quarterback to get away from pressure when it did arrive and good work and communication between he and the offensive line to get it blocked most of the night throughout the course of the W. There's a play on the third possession after a holding call backs him up to first and 20 where there's not pressure on the play. And this is a good example of Fitzpatrick knowing where his protection can make it strong and where it can be weak at times. But they have a solid wall of protection as they slide to the right. But the hook zone on the passing concept is clogged up the area right in behind the linebackers where you try to run hookup routes and little dig routes and try to throw high-low conversions in that area. So Fitz bails out to the left, even though there's good pocket a good pocket for him to work from, but this forces the linebacker to string it out and to really stretch the middle of that defense. So he runs left, linebacker chases him, and it uncovers Isaiah Ford, who just, and then Fitz then just flips it out there to Ford for a pickup of 11. You get all the penalty yardage back plus one, just more brilliant work there from the Dolphins QB. There was a third and sixth conversion on that same exact drive from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Devontae Parker. And to me, that was the best play of the year so far for Fitz. The rush is right in his face. Parker hasn't even come out of his break yet and there's two receivers to that side of the formation and they're both kind of running vertical the inside the two takes a vertical route Parker runs a square in route so he's going to break off the outside or the butt rather of that second receiver and Fitz kind of drifts back away from the pressure buying that extra fraction of a second And as he's fading off, he drops the arm angle to get around the pass rusher and throws the ball to a spot before Parker is out of that break. And the ball just hits there right on time, right on the money for a completion and a big time conversion. Just awesome, 
awesome stuff from your QB. He comes right back a few plays later with a absolute seed to Matt Breida on a wheel route, a perfect throw. And I mean, Caleb on Chason is right there, but the ball is just perfect. No defense for a perfect pass. And the only reason it wasn't an explosive play is because Chason interfered with Breida. So it actually was an explosive play, but he threw the ball with a line drive on it. On this route, typically, if there's no safety help, you want to loft that thing because running back against a linebacker, obviously the speed matchup there goes to the running back, but the safety was coming over the top. So Fitz has to drill it. And boy, did he, he put it right on the money and it was a perfect throw. Just wowza. That's all I wrote in my notes here. Then the throw to Gasicki, one play later, again, attacking C.J. Henderson. Similar to the throw to Jakeem Grant, a cover three look. He takes a step to the post, does C.J. Henderson, following Devontae Parker because Parker runs the post. Gasicki runs the out route right in behind him, and the ball is perfect. One false step on it, and you're going to lose. And that's exactly what happened because Fitz was so on point with his accuracy and his timing. So the quarterback played brilliantly behind him at the running back position. And of course, that's really Miles Gaskins. He's the guy right now. He's been the bell cow through three weeks. His bread and butter, the wind back run, the bend run. You have on zone runs, you can either bounce, bang, or bend. Bounce is where you go outside to the play side. Bang is where you go right up into the middle of the line. And bending it is cutting it back. And his bending has been so good on these runs. And he does so well to get to the backside of that formation. His ability to work towards the target point of the run, the initial target launch, or the, the launch point of where he wants to get, then shift subtly at the last moment, but maintain that speed. Man, that stuff is special. He's talked about the leverage, but that really makes it tough on a defensive lineman who has just worked their ass off to disengage off the block. Then you have to stay step for step with a player who's faster than you because again, running back against defensive linemen, the running back's going to be faster and then anticipate where that cut's going to be on a small target. You look at the first run of the second half and you'll see exactly that. He is forced to bubble. He has to slip two tackles behind the line of scrimmage and he still manages to run for five yards. That was second and 11 last year. This year, it's second and five. Out at wide receiver, I thought Preston Williams did so well to attack the outside leverage on that touchdown catch. If they're going to give you that inside release and you have that six foot five frame, just take it because you can't get around the back of that guy. And he did touchdown Dolphins. The third possession of the game, I want to make a note here for Preston. It's the third down and eight where Fitzpatrick scrambles for a near first down. Williams uncovers on a dig route and he's wide open, but because protection wasn't great, Fitz had to scramble. And rather than show poor body language and become upset that he didn't get the target, he's concerned about the potential hit to the head of his quarterback, signaling to the ref, hey, he might have got hit up high. Then he goes over and helps him up. You love to see that. Isaiah Ford had an awesome route on a third and two on the first drive of the second and half. Does a kind of slow stutter step release, lets the concept develop, squares up the defensive back and breaks it off at the sticks for a chain mover. And Parker, he just ran them out of cover three all night, contest deep with no safety help and then come right back to the ball. Use that frame to box out. They're not going to be able to get back through you to make a play on the football. Along the offensive line, my goodness, what more can you say? Austin Jackson did so well to close down the edge on those windback runs and just wipe that thing out. And one thing I love about his game is the patience and pass protection. He almost always forces the defender to show his hand first and that prevents those sloppy reps where you get out over your skates maybe you get crossed over and wind up on your butt but he doesn't do that teams are throwing bull rushes at him all the time and I think he'd like to anchor sooner but he does good to get out there eventually and drop that anchor so great signs from the 21 year old and by the way Jackson wasn't part of the deal but he looks like a bona fide 
hit at that left tackle position. And he wasn't part of the Laramie Tunzel trade as far as the draft pick we got. But the Dolphins did get Noah Igbenogany and Solomon Kinley, as well as a first and second round pick next year, which are currently 0-3 on the season right now and almost $20 million in cap relief because of that trade. So a hat tip to you for that, Mr. Greer. Speaking of Solomon Kinley, man, this guy, I just write down Kinley win over and over again because he's been doing that. The first play I noted, he had an inside arm as he works down the line of scrimmage and holds the block with the quick feet and the power and balance while absorbing that contact. Just wow, man. Taking the one gappers where they want to go, driving them out of the play. You might recall in Dominican Sue a few years back, he would shoot up field as the one gap attacking aggressive defensive tackle. And sometimes teams would leverage that against him and just wham block him and take him out of the play. Solomon Kinley does that very well in this game. A few plays later, he latches on and just mauls his man. When he gets those big paws outside, it's over. Good night. Just go ahead and call it a night. My film notes are just turning into these wins, wins, wins for Solomon Kinley over and over again. The Fitzpatrick touchdown run, he turns his man out completely and creates a lane there for his quarterback to run through for the end zone or for a touchdown into the end zone. More work and pass protection. And you just watch guys getting frustrated as the game moves along against him because of that sheer girth. It forces guys to come up with moves because you're not going to go through him. So the defensive tackle tries to put a spin move on him on the second drive. And Kinley just stays in that squat, in that set, well aligned, throws a punch when he rolls out of that spin. He just stops him dead in his tracks. It looks like child's play out there most of the time. He then comes back on the very next rep and gets a little bit drawn out by a stunt, but he himself uses a spin to work back inside and get hands on the defensive end in Josh Allen, who's crashing around. And Allen has the angle to fit, but Kinley recovers, gets contact, and thwarts that move and gives him just enough time for Fitzpatrick to find the lane and get out of it. So good work there from Solomon Kinley. We talked about the both both of the guard positions really working out so far for the Dolphins. Eric Flowers' ability to reach and hook is so dang nice, man. That pull pat, that play where they have a play action look and he pulls to the play side and hits the, the outside rusher who's coming free for a, a good block getting into the quarterback. He's done that a few times now. He had a second level seal on the Jakeem Grant end around we talked about where he wiped out a linebacker. Very good day for Eric Flowers as well. Thought Ted Karras' athletic ability was on full display. He had some really nice work in the reach blocking game climbing to the second level. Really nice display on the interior front for the Miami captain. And then Jordan Howard's touchdown run. Kinley pulls and seals and buries a player. And Davis and Shaheen close down to create a lane for Chandler Cox, who plows that thing up in there and creates a lane for Jordan Howard to follow for the Dolphins' touchdown. Nice work down there. Nice work on the offensive line in this game. Cumulatively, Fitzpatrick, I mean, damn near perfect. Devontae Parker attacking the holes in coverage. Miles Gaskin so shifty without losing the acceleration. Such a good reader of blocks. Solomon Kinley, another monster game. Same story for Eric Flowers. The guard overhaul here for Chris Greer. Really well done for the Dolphins personnel staff. Ted Karras has a hell of a game. Durham Smythe, I thought, had his best game of the year. And Chan Gailey, what a game from the Dolphins offensive coordinator. On the other side, defensively, speaking of scheme and drawing it up, Got to give the same credit for Josh Boyer on that side. They changed things up all throughout this game. Starting off in split safety, normally they're a single high team. They allow the underneath guys to gain depth at the linebacker spot, and I saw plenty of that in this game. They wind up, and on this particular play, Minshew winds up checking it down for a big gain, but I love the look and the communication and the coverage on the back end because they run the receivers all off into caps or into other players or into the boundary where they have nowhere to go. Just have to make the tackle on that play to get the stop for a short gain. 
Then the third down, a few plays later on this Jacksonville opening series, they're in trips with Jamal Perry attacking the point, and you've got Igbo and X on inside-outside combination. One guy takes the inside, the other guy takes the outside, and Igbo does really well as a rookie here to show eye discipline to keep his eyes on the bunch. He finds Chenault, who tries to break it in and then come back out to confuse on the switch release, and Igbo doesn't fall for it. He's all over it. He gets in there for the tackle to get the Jaguars' offense off the field. On the very next series, the Dolphins open up again and split safety. This time, it's Brandon Jones. The previous time, it was Eric Rowe. And they alternated a lot between split and single high. We saw a lot of big defensive lines as well. Christian Wilkins, Raekwon Davis, and Zach Sealer in the game with another defensive lineman like Emmanuel Ogba or Shaq Lawson. You then would bring two linebackers down on the ball as well. Just love the mix of fronts and coverages in the back end for the Dolphins on defense. The kudos we gave to Gailey are deserving for Boyer in this one too. And the sack to end the Jags drive at the end of the half was just an awesome call. You've got three linebackers aligned from B-gap to B-gap in Baker, Van Noy, and Kamu Gruje hill And both Baker and Van Noy bluff, and Sealer just bowls towards the center and guard, causing some confusion both on the protection call and knocking guys off their spot. And then from there, Gruje hill can use his speed to close on Minshew for that big sack and the turnover. Again, just structurally on the back end, this is kind of what I had envisioned for this team. And I'm sure the people in the organization that actually matter envision for this defense. So it's awesome to see them staying to the rules, staying in phase, passing off, rerouting, communicating, getting after the quarterback with stunts and twists and games. Just a great game plan on the defensive side of the ball. And back to the Igbo play with the tackle short of the sticks. On that play, Emmanuel Ogba really forced Minshew into a quick throw with a nice bull rush. And I thought Ogba's length was a problem in this game. The right tackle really had a hard time getting his hands on him. And the very next play, he absorbs a chip off the outside in which he prevents the key blocker, the tight end, from chipping and climbing. He can't get to that second level and it forces a, a tackle for loss from Eric Rowe. Shaq Lawson had a pressure early. And then on the very next series on a running play, he does a good job with the eye discipline to set the tight end upfield, then work back underneath for a run stop. Thought he had a really nice pressure on the quarterback several times in this game, especially in the middle of the third quarterback where he won with a powerful rip off the initial placement. That's how you get after Russell Wilson. That's how they did it in this game. Good to see that translate going next week into next Sunday. Love the way Christian Wilkins holds the point against double teams and really makes it a point to latch on to prevent that climb to the linebacker, the second level of the defense. He takes on a lot of double teams, which means single teams for Davis, Godshaw, and Sealer. I really noticed that Davis, when he gets a one-on-one matchup, does a good job to stand them up, key the run, shed, and make a stop. Zach Sealer had a number of plays in this game, especially with that power, those hands, that pop. Middle of the third quarter, he gets himself a run stop with Raekwon Davis, where he virtually does not move against a double. Such power for Zach Sealer. At linebacker, some appreciation for Kyle Van Noy, because this guy just gets it done over and over again. Resetting the point of the line of scrimmage, creating gaps at that edge, making room for other guys to make plays. He reads his keys, gets himself into an impactful position pretty much every single time. And I know folks will see the strip sack scoop stat and say, okay, now he's starting to really earn his worth around here. But he impacts the game in so many ways that just do not show up in the box score. Like for instance, the pass rush where he ran over James Robinson, have mercy. And then on the strip sack, you really want to point out that Zach Sealer and Emmanuel Ogba both had big plays on this one too. Sealer, he allowed Van Noy to come in on that twist and knock a man over and then rework back to the quarterback. And that happened because Sealer had stifled him initially, got his footwork and hand placement all out of whack. And then Ogba for coming off the edge and forcing Minshew up into the pocket. Talked about Gruje Hill's speed. He stayed very tight to Zach Sealer on that rush and created a good rush lane for himself. Good, smart football, like we talked about in the beginning. I love Jerome Baker's work taking on blocks in this game. Thought he played really strong at the point. Showed good sideline 
find the sideline range and was good in coverage, finding depth as well and cutting off those hook and curl zones. At cornerback, communication I thought was just terrific in general. Lots of passing off, plastering and man coverage when they were either in zone coverage or the quarterback broke the pocket. We talked about Jamal Perry. He is a hell of a tackler, something I talked about a lot last year. He just rallies up and sticks people. And at the cornerback position, just before that Gruget Hill sack at the end of the half, there's a play before that where Igbo works to get upfield and forces the cutback from the running back to go back into where his friends can clean it up, and they do just that. So more good work from the Dolphins cornerback there. And then at safety again, the play I referenced earlier with Ogba, where he stops the tight end from getting to the second level. It was Eric Rowe who flew in and made the tackle for loss on that play. Good work all around there. Cumulatively, thought Zach Sealer was a wrecking ball, powerful hands, double teams, pass rush, Really nice game from him. Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Ogba both had a number of pressures and run stops working through the tackle, using power, using length for Ogba, that is. Just a nice game from both those guys. Van Noy, the unsung hero of sorts, kind of always been that way in his career. The run fits, the aggressiveness with which he attacks blocks, the sack production, the coverage recognition, damn, he sure is good. I thought Andrew Van Ginkle had some really nice wiggle in this game like we saw at Wisconsin. He can really turn it up in those late game moments where you have a lead and he can isolate and go to work as a pass rusher. Igbenogany, the mental fortitude, the competitive toughness, the reads he made, the tackling, the tight coverage, very good game from him. Xavier Howard, another one of these vintage ex-Xavier Howard games. He was always plastered downfield in coverage and that INT was certainly vintage X. Dare we say he is back? How great would that be? And Bobby McCain had an excellent game as well. Communication on point. I didn't really see any breakdowns and coverage on the film. Passing off deep lane, deep, running the deep lanes, cutting those things off over the top, having the range to get over. And Eric Rowe as well, a good game in this one, both in coverage and against the run. A few more nuggets and snippets from this game. The Dolphins' 4.3 penalties per game right now are the fifth lowest in the NFL, and the 35.3 penalty yardage assessed against them is the eighth lowest in the entire National Football League. Jacksonville converted just 3 of 13 on third and fourth down. The 23% conversion rate by the Miami defense was the lowest since it went 2 for 11 on third and fourth down plays back in 2019 last year against Washington. The red zone offense is converting 66.7% of trips inside the 20 into touchdowns. That's tied for ninth best in the NFL and the 44.4% third down conversion rate ranks 14th in the entire National Football League. And any way you splice it, Fitzpatrick was dealing in this game all night. He had blue grades from PFF across the board. He was 6 for 6 with 81 yards and a touchdown pass when under pressure. He was 12 of 13 with 78 yards and two touchdowns when Jacksonville blitzed. He was 6 of 6 on intermediate throws, the 11 to 19 yard range, with 90 yards and a pair of touchdowns. And per next gen, Fitzpatrick ranks 5th in the NFL in completion percentage above expected at plus 6.7% in completions above expected rate. And he's also the number six quarterback in terms of QBR on ESPN so far through the NFL. Devontae Parker, he caught all five of his targets for 69 yards in this game. And you look at his recent game logs going back over his career, he's become a real consistent player for this Dolphins offense. He'll have the big 130-yard games, multi-touchdown games, and that's how you get to 1,200 receiving yards and nine touchdowns a year ago. But you look at his floor, he pretty much never goes below five catches, 50 yards. Been consistent that way as a Dolphins number one receiver. The offensive line has gone wire to wire all three games. That's been awesome. The pass protection has been really, really good. Once again, Solomon Kinley, a pass protection shutout, no quarterback pressures. Ted Karras and Austin Jackson allowed one apiece, and Eric Flowers surrendered just two pressures in the entire game. On the other side of the football, we talked about Kyle Van Noy. He had six pressures on 20 pass rush snaps. That's a 30% PRP pass rush productivity. He had a sack, a forced fumble, recovered that fumble, and also made a pair of run stops in this game as well. Andrew Van Ginkle also had a 
good PRP at 17%. He had three pressures on 18 pass rush reps. Shaq Lawson had a 14% PRP with six pressures on 32 reps. Emmanuel Ogba, five pressures on 43 reps at 12%. So all four of those guys with really good days rushing the passer. And the running defense was working pretty well as well. Christian Wilkins, Raekwon Davis, Zach Sealer, Jerome Baker, Eric Rowe, and Brandon Jones all had two run stops in the game. Cornerback Xavier Howard and Noah Ignogany allowed one completion combined on six pass targets. That's an average, or went for two yards, an average of 0.33 yards per target. That gives you a 0.0 passer rating against on either of those guys. And Bobby McCain allowed one completion for four yards on two targets. So good work from the Dolphins offense and defense, a complete team victory. And with that, let's go ahead and spin things forward now as we get ready for week number four and the Seattle Seahawks. Let's go ahead and hear from Coach Flores, who was wearing his Miami Marlins hat, actually looked like a Florida Marlins hat, the old logo, the old colors, all that good stuff, a good flashback uh, hat he was wearing there to support the Marlins in their quest back to the playoffs, breaking a 17-year playoff drought. And what a week it was for South Florida sports. Obviously, go Heat, the Miami Heat now, in the NBA Finals against LeBron James, his 10th NBA Finals. The Heat looking to knock him off as well, like so many other teams have before. Coach wearing the Miami Marlins hat there as well, and the Dolphins getting their big win on Thursday night. Let's go ahead and look ahead here to the Seattle Seahawks and hear from Coach on Russell Wilson. A spectacular player. I mean, this guy's um, he's tough to defend. He makes really good decisions. He can extend plays. He's accurate with the football. Um, pretty much knows what you're in from a cover standpoint because he's seen a lot of um, exotic, you know, defenses. Um, I mean, he's one of the best players in the league if, you know, I mean, he's, if not the best. So um, this will be an extremely uh, – challenging game for us it's not just him I mean they've got receivers they've got backs they've got a good old line they got tight ends they play a really good defense they play in the kick uh, well in the kicking game they're well coached um they played together for a long time this is a, this is gonna be a tough 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 uh challenge for us so we've we've got a um we gotta have a good week of preparation um and then we gotta play well well I mean tell me he's a he's a, he's a great player um and we have to, you know, we have to do everything at a high level um, to limit this offense. Um, so, from a communication standpoint, from a tackling standpoint, from a, uh, you know, uh, pass rush standpoint, we have to play very well to keep this this offense uh, limited and contained. I think, you know, he's gonna, they're gonna make some plays. I mean, they're good. You know, they got a good quarterback and they got good players, so they're gonna make a few plays. Um, and we just need to keep the, you know, try to keep the, the, you know, we got to continue to try to just, you know, have good communication, have good technique and fundamentals, tackle well, uh, defend the deep part of the field. Um, you know, we had a good rush and, and, and we got to play well. It's a good offense. You heard about coach on the opposition, Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson. Let's go ahead and go back to our own team here and hear about coach's evaluation of the offensive line and specifically rookie left tackle Austin Jackson. They're, you know, they're coming together. Look, they work hard um, to, to all get on the same page. I mean, I think individually they, they're, they're a hard working group, working, working group, but collectively as a unit, um, they understand that communication is important, that um, playing as a as a unit is very important. I think Steve's done a really good job, and um, uh, just 
uh, staying on on top of them about the fundamentals, the techniques, uh, working with one another. Uh, they spend a lot of time together. Uh, that's what you need. It's still a lot of improvement to make. It's, it hasn't been all perfect, but uh, I think as a group, um, you know, we got leadership from the, the more veteran guys, Jesse, Ted Karras, Eric, um, and then our, our young players from, you know, Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson, and Solomon, uh, they're just following their lead, which, you know, I feel like we're, we're talking about that every week. Um, but if we just continue to do that, I think we, we have a chance to get better, improve, uh, specific to Austin. Um, I know you asked about him, Josh. Um, I think, you know, being a rookie, um, you know, there's things that he's learning every time he, he goes out there, um, you know, every different situation, whether it's third down uh, and a five-man protection, whether it's goal line and, um, and, and what that, uh, you know, how different that snap is than, you know, <laughs> another a normal snap in the field and um, how big, strong, and, and this isn't just specific to Austin, but all those rookies, how big, strong, fast uh, the defensive linemen in this league are. I think he's getting uh, acclimated to that, uh, but every week it's a different challenge. And this week, you know, it's you know certainly a big challenge against this this group that we're going to see um, and this team that we're going to see. Um, but I think you know if we just continue to try to improve uh, every day, um, and hopefully we you know continue to um, to get better. Let's go ahead and stay on the same side of the football in a similar area at the tight end position. And Mike Gesicki, who coach was asked about his development in year number three. And you're going to hear coach talk about a word that I love so very much when it comes to football. We've heard Miles Gaskin, Bobby McCain, Ryan Fitzpatrick, everybody under the sun talks about the importance of leverage and how Mike Gesicki is learning about leverage. And it's making him a better route runner, a better pass catcher, and a better overall receiver at that tight end position. You know, Mike, I think Mike's definitely. Uh, we've seen a lot of improvement, um, you know, from him since since I've been here, and really since his his rookie year. Um, and I think that's just, you know, time spent in the league, understanding you know, different defenses, understanding how uh, uh, different you know leverages of defenders, uh, understanding coverages. Uh, you know, he's got a, obviously a good rapport with Fitz, and. You know, you're starting to see some of his, he's talented. Um, when you put all of it together, um, you, know, you, you can see kind of the talent um, uh, show up on game day. Um, he's still got a long way to go um, as far as, you know, there's things in his game that he can improve on, um, you know, top of the route, releases, things like that nature, blocking. Um, but he's definitely made a lot of improvement. He's made plays for us this, this season so far. Um but there's, I mean, there's still a lot, you know, uh, he's left a few plays out there also. Um, and I think it's, you know, the, the tight end room with Durham and, you know, Adam, I mean, it's a good group. Uh, they work well together. I think they complement each other well. Chandler Cox is also full, full back tight end. Um, they complement each other well. Um, and, um, you know, I think they're making some improvements. Uh, but again, consistency is a big thing in this league, and um, that's what we need. And I think you build consistency consistency through practice and walkthroughs, and um, you know, continuing to work the way that, that they work to have the, the little bit of success they've had so far. Um, again, as a, as an overall team, um, uh, we got a long way to go. Um, 
And look, we got a, a, a great challenge this week against a really good team. And we're going to have to, you know, really prepare and play well to, uh, to give ourselves a chance to, 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 to win. You heard me talk about Bobby McCain and the importance of the communication role he plays in the back end of that defense. Here's Coach Flores. We'll go ahead and finish with this one for Coach about the importance of Bobby McCain in that position, his role as a leader back at that safety spot, and the growth for him in his second year at the position coming over from the slot slash outside cornerback position here in Miami. I think Bobby's a very important part to to our defense. Um, I think, you know, safety linebacker but specifically safety you're, you're the quarterback of the defense um so a lot of what he does is getting guys lined up uh, pre-snap uh so that we can have uh you know a good let's call it post-snap play um i think he's done a good job of that i think in some instances um we've been aligned correctly we've been in the right places but um you know we either haven't made the play or had a bad post-snap uh, read or um but Bobby's been, he's been, he's played well so far this year. And, um, you know, his leadership, his communication, his, um, I think he's tackled well this far. So I think he's played well. And we need, we need, we need, uh, uh, we need him to continue to play well. We need other guys to kind of uh, play the way he's been playing. And he's, his, his leadership, it definitely it shows up on our team. And, you know, we're, we're I'm very, I've been very pleased with him. All right, let's go ahead now and hear from Dolphins defensive lineman Zach Sealer. Had a big game on Thursday. I wanted to ask him about the mindset of rushing to help other guys out on the team. Here is Zach Sealer and the approach this team has on creating opportunities for their friends. Hey, Zach, I want to talk about your guys' just collective team pass rush work. It seems like a lot of the effectiveness you guys get comes out of running games and you guys up front creating opportunities for second-level players and rushers. I'm just curious how that mindset works when it comes to like, I'm going to be the one that creates an opportunity for this player. Is that something you see collectively throughout the course of a defensive room? Oh, absolutely. We celebrate that kind of stuff. We, uh, we want to be able to create opportunities for other players. And it's, it's not what I did or what it's a team, a team. We just, we were able to set some up for him or like with X's pick in the end, stuff like that. Um, we, we sell, we, we, we thoroughly enjoy watching everyone else succeed as well. And how about Zach Sealer's, Side job, what he moonlights as, more of a hobby. How about hunting alligators, wild pigs, and crazy stuff out here and all the wildlife I've come to learn and know about South Florida? It's a big process. Um, we've had, we have guides that have hunted for 20 plus years now. I got over 35 years of experience together. Um, so we kind of met up with, I've been hunting down here for a long, long time. Um, family in the central Florida area my whole life. So with that, we kind of, to my first and second year, started this outfitters business, and it's been good for us. We, a, a huge passion of mine, yeah. Let's go to the other side of the ball here and wide receiver Jakeem Grant and get to my question for the Dolphins wide receiver. Hey, Jakeem, we asked you about the end of round. I want to get your take on the reception you had. I'm curious to, to hear what that route's called. It looked like some kind of wheel, like stop, comeback route. What did you see on that play? Because it looked like you motioned over to where they didn't really have anybody over there besides the one corner. So does your speed in that situation kind of make you more of a threat on that comeback? And then also the ability to get up after the catch on a player who's a rookie who didn't touch mm-hmm. you down. Just kind of talk us through that play if you can. Um, it's an out and up stop, uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I knew that a lot of DBs will, anytime that I'm going on any type of vertical route, that they're going to, basically haul 
haul ass and try to stay over the top of me. And I just made it look like I'm running as fast as I could. And I just put on the brakes and dude kept running for about probably three yards. And, you know, I made the uh, diamond catch. I actually, like, I couldn't see, I definitely couldn't see the ball coming out of the brake because of the lights. And I was like, okay, there it is. So I dove for it. And, and when he didn't touch me, I, I, when I fell on the ground, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I didn't feel him touch me. So I got up and I'm like, and he probably thought I, on film when I watched it, he thought I dropped the ball. And so he was clapping like, yeah, he didn't catch it. Like, uh, and so I just got up and ran because I felt I, I, I didn't even feel him touch me. So I was like, yeah, this, this can't be right. And he, he didn't want to touch me. Then all right, let me get up and run for a couple more yards. And how about the friendly trash talk between he and fellow kickers when it comes to the kickoff game and kicking touchbacks over his head? And I'm always taunting him. Every every kickoff return, um, you probably see me back there. I'm always waving my hand and telling them to kick it to me. And then uh, a lot of guys always run down and say, uh, come on, man, bring it out the end zone. I'm like, you're kicking it nine deep. It's only 10 yards in the end zone. Like, you're kicking it nine deep. There's no way I'm going to bring it out. So, I mean, if you give me a chance, I'll bring it out. So, and we'll go ahead and finish up here with Dolphins rookie left tackle Austin Jackson. You heard Coach Flores talking about his game and his growth so far in his age 21 NFL season. Ridiculously young, getting the job done out there at left tackle. Here he is talking about some of the technique and mentality that comes into playing the offensive line here for the Miami Dolphins. You know, a technique that, you know, offensive linemen use because, you know, oftentimes defensive linemen can get caught up leaning all their weight on you. So it's just it's just kind of a leverage battle and if you see, uh, you know, they're out of leverage, it's it's easy to swipe them down. I think leverage is going to become our new each and every day here on the Drive Time Podcast. Love that term. Love that word. Makes a lot of sense. He was asked about the use of the hands and chopping and swatting away that initial hand punch from the defensive line. I talked about it in the film notes about him being patient and not letting guys get into him. That's a perfect example of that right there, using the leverage against them. Let's go ahead and finish up here. One more quote from the Dolphins players on this Monday. Austin Jackson talking about the leadership, the tricks of the trade, and all the tips the veteran offensive linemen have given him so far through three games. Uh, you know, they help me with a lot of advice, you know whether it's situationally, you know, situations during the game or, um, you know, what we need to get done or what to look out for just because, you know, they've been playing the league for, you know, such a good amount of time. And, you know, this, they just got a lot of knowledge on it. So it just kind of falls off and, you know, they help me in a lot of areas. There you go. There you have it. Austin Jackson, Jakeem Grant. We had Coach Brian Flores as well as Zach Sealer as we get closer and closer to kickoff on Sunday. A little extra time to rest here. The Seahawks coming off that tight game with the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to cover all that stuff here on the Drive Time Podcast all week long. Injury reports, game preview, player features, everything you want here on Drive Time on MiamiDolphins.com. As for today's time, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast. And of course, all the written content, video content, transcripts, everything you want. MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.